This is Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. And a good morning to you. <laughs> it's always a classic thing when I said, but my so-and-so isn't working. Is it plugged in? Yeah. Um, hi. I'm I'm here. I'm back. I'm I'm still alive. How about you? It's uh it's March nine, and uh, I've. I've been gone for, uh, um, I've been in California for the last uh, week, and uh, I, I am jet, I'm jet lagged, I'll tell you that right now, and on top of it, with daylight savings time starting, I'm like, I'm four hours in the, in the I don't know where I am, uh, which is probably just as well. Um, it's uh, shaping up to be a... Uh, interesting news day uh, you know it seems like when last I uh, was here the biggest concerns were about this was pre uh, Super Tuesday so all of that has happened since last uh, we had the opportunity to talk um, and now of course the uh, the coronavirus COVID 19 right uh clearly um in the united states in the majority of the states and uh spreading i would think relatively rapidly i mean those numbers are just gonna ratchet up having been in california where it was seemingly much more obvious that we were um in a uh I don't want to say dire uh, situation, but where, I mean, in that state, the governor uh, declared a state of emergency uh, while I was there. And to fly uh, during this is, a, you know, an exercise in, um, in overcoming anxiety. Um, I did all the, you know, wipe down my seat stuff. I did not wear a mask, although um, I was offered one. Um, and I was surprised that I didn't see many people uh, wearing masks. I was in the Denver airport, and uh, it was crammed. I mean, there were so many people in that airport, true and fro, to and fro, to and fro. Uh, cheek to jowl, getting on those planes. I, I, the planes I took, I took four separate uh, planes, all full. Um, but that's gonna, that ain't gonna continue. And I just saw a picture of a flight that was about to take off from I think JFK to uh, Rome, and there was like one person. <laughs> I swear there was nobody on it. I was talking to somebody um, uh, in the park where I was walking the dog uh, uh, yesterday afternoon, and uh, she and her entire family were to have uh, spent Easter in Rome, um, 
they've canceled that, um, as would I. I, I, I would not uh, fly if I didn't have to anymore. Um, I don't think we have a clue what we're heading into here because I don't know that any of us have ever experienced uh, this. I'm, I think the closest in terms of the sense of danger and fear is you'd have to be really old like me and remember the polio epidemic of the uh, of the early 50s um, and I do remember that and I remember as a child being very fearful I remember having to go get a special shot horrible terrifying shot where the needle looked to be 50 feet long uh, of gamma globulin because I'd been at a birthday party and one of the girls uh, ended up with uh, polio so that all of us who were at the party had been exposed. That's the kind of thing that, uh, you know, will be happening. Uh, and now that members of Congress have found themselves already exposed, you can, uh, you can just imagine uh, how they will be concentrated on their own safety in as much as that uh, creates a situation in which we'll be more safe, we will, uh, we will see. I really, I'm a little surprised that some people don't seem to think this is a big deal. Um, and maybe I do because I'm in two high-risk groups. If you're over 60 years old, it's not, it's, it's concerning because, yeah, it's killing people over 60. Not so much people under, but yeah, some, some. And then, of course, if you have people who feel they are not at risk to take no precautions, not wash their hands, not uh, bother, you know, containing their coughs and sneezes, not staying home when they don't feel uh, particularly well, this thing's going to spread. It's as simple as that. And uh, this thing's going to spread. I think we're going to see how woefully unprepared our government is. I think we're already seeing that at the federal level. The state and local levels have yet to be tested. Um, and at and it's amazing because of all these different jurisdictions. It's things we've talked about regarding election security. How if the federal government was in charge of election security, you know, then you could have some uniformity. But uh, it's county by county in this country, and there's thousands of counties. And that will be the case with response to this in large part, or school district by school district. Um, we are going to see how having uh, one of the crueler capitalist uh, cultures um, in, in the world uh, is, is not a good fit for a situation like this, where the very people who are most at risk by virtue of uh, the fact that they take public transportation, they, um, they have gig jobs, or they have jobs that do not pay them if, they're, if they don't show up, if they're sick. Um, obviously, all those kind of uh, realities means that people who are sick 
are going to still work or else they're not going to be able to feed their families or pay the rent. So all those service workers, um, I, and if we lived in a country in which sick leave uh, was automatic, uh, where workers were treated with, uh, with humanity, with uh, respect, um, we wouldn't be as vulnerable, I think, as we are now. Um, I don't know. And if you bothered to think this out and imagine the, uh, the reality of, let's say, a school district closing down. In a wealthy district, that's not going to be a big issue, Right? Wealthy people can take care of uh, their children if their children have to stay home or if their children have to study with their computers. Children who live in poor neighborhoods and urban poor neighborhoods where people are living in tighter you know, proximity to one another are already at more risk. Then you close the schools. And these are people who maybe the parents have jobs that if they don't show up, they don't get paid. So who's there to care for the children? There is no computer in the house. What's going to happen here when that occurs? Um, and speaking of that, I saw this tweet from a doctor in uh, in New York City. And this information is from the New York Times. New York authorities say they can shut down schools in New York City only as a last resort because 114,000 school children in that district 114,000 school children in New York City are homeless. And so if you cut down, if you stop schools, they have nowhere to go for those five days a week where they get fed, where they are sheltered. And these schools essentially operate uh, somewhat as social service agencies. And yet, the New York Times also tells us today that to stem the tide of any virus, uh, you know, let's say just a normal flu epidemic, the smartest thing to do is close the schools. Number one, not last resort. <laughs> First thing, and as everybody knows, who's ever been or lived with children, school children, they come home constantly carrying every viral infection there is, right? Parents of young children are invariably coming down with bugs because the kids bring it home. Children... Um, you know, schools are where kids are in close proximity to each other, 
and you can't expect kids to, uh, you know, not touch their faces or always to uh, do all the things that we're told we should do to avoid the spread of, uh, of a virus. So because schools are community gathering places, uh, large numbers of people, um, these kinds of infections spread very rapidly and the kids take them home. So this public health expert is saying communities in the United States must shut down schools before, not after, the outbreak becomes widespread. If you close the doors once the virus is out, it's the proverbial closing the, the stable doors after the horses have uh, fled. Or is it the barn doors after the cows have fled? I don't know. But it's daunting when you see this, that the thing to do is to close schools now. Now. That would be an extremely gutsy call because there are no cases, as far as we know, uh, let's say here in Pittsburgh. To do it now would mean that you'd be ahead of it. You would be proactive but it would be politically an impossible call to make. Um, and this person also says that the primary uh, problem uh, with this virus is that we don't know about it. This is the first experience we've had with, uh, with it. We see how quickly it spreads so we don't, the, all the epidemiologists do not have strong data yet, uh, good and stable numbers to tell really how serious it is. Um, those numbers that we see, the number of cases, blah, 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 don't, I wouldn't put any, uh, any faith in those numbers at all. Those numbers are really, in fact, much, much higher because there's so many people who are asymptomatic or, or, or minimally so or haven't reported the case or haven't been tested because God knows we've found out that you can't be tested necessarily even though the president says if you want to test you'll get tested that's not true So we don't know what the fatality rate is. We don't really know how quickly this thing is spreading. Um, so public health experts say the fact that we don't know means that we should probably take a better, safer than sorry uh, approach. But that will not happen. It's not uh, people's inclination. It's certainly not our political leadership's uh, inclination because it would require them to uh, get ahead of a, a problem and the public not necessarily understanding why certain draconian measures are being taken when there's only one case here or one case there when in fact it might be the smartest thing to do. All the parents who work for employers who won't pay them if they don't show up. 
employers actually telling their employees, if you're sick, don't come in, and, and if you're sick, you won't be paid? <laughs> well, where does that leave somebody? So I don't think we're structurally, as a country, set up to deal with this at all. And, of course, with, um, you know, from, I don't have to tell you that uh, being in the hands of a Donald Trump administration in a uh, national health crisis like this is uh, a very uncomfortable position to be in. Um, when he was at the uh, CDC, Trump was, uh, was asked about the fact that his administration had shut down the only dedicated... Uh, national security office uh, that had to do with uh, global health security and biodefense. Same thing. In the National Security uh, Council. Uh, that position had been established by Barack Obama, uh, which can tell you why it was immediately uh, discontinued by Donald Trump, because that's seemingly his political agenda is to just ask, what did Obama do? Let's destroy it. Um, so the Directorate for Global Health Security and Biodefense in the National Security Council was uh, destroyed by, finished off by uh, this president. And when he was asked why that had happened, this, I'm going to read you his response, okay? This is your president in a time of crisis. Why did you close down that one, that one directorate that, was, that would have been at the front of our, um, of our response to this from day one? And here is Donald Trump. Quote, Well, I just don't think, I, I just don't think, now right there, we could stop. <laughs> That's it. I just don't think. Well, I just don't think, he repeats twice, uh, that somebody is going to, uh, without seeing something, uh, like we saw something happening in China. I'm going to read that again, and you tell me if that makes any sense at all, okay? Why did you close that office that now would be at the, uh, at the forefront of this of our response to this crisis. Well, I just don't think, I just don't think that somebody is going to, without seeing something like we saw something happening in China. He continues, as soon as they saw that happening, they essentially, not from the White House, I mean, you know, we don't need a lab in the White House, but they saw something happening. That's our leader. That is as incoherent as it comes, as stupid uh, a response as one can imagine. And of course it would have made a difference if that office had still been there. People dedicated to exactly this kind of thing. as if it's about setting up a lab in the White House. But of course, rest assured, because as you know, Donald Trump said also at the CDC, I like this stuff. I really get it. P 
people are surprised that I understand it. Every one of these doctors said, how do you know so much about this? Stop and digest that one sentence from Trump and, and tell me if that is not an encapsulation of the nightmare of having him in this position. Every one of these doctors said, how do you know so much about this? When we know damn well, not one doctor said that to him. But he is such a liar, so incapable of anything but self-aggrandizement, that he can say that and nobody says boo. Every one of these doctors, yo, sure, at the CDC, I can see him. Boy, Mr. Trump, how do you know so much about this? I don't know. For, for me, um, this story tops the presidential uh, race right now. And the presidential race, yowie. Um, so much for listening to me. I don't want anybody ever thinking I know anything that's going on. I'm serious. Because I said more than once in the last uh, month that Joe Biden is done. Kaput, finished, it's over. And now, quite clearly, he's won. I think. But don't listen to me, because what do I know? Has this crossed your mind? The fact that the three old white guys that have a chance at being our next president, the one who currently holds the office, Trump, Bernie Sanders, and Joe Biden, are all over 60. In fact, they're over 70. And they're in a business in which glad-handing and being among crowds of people is, well, it's sort of required. And you tell me what the odds are that one or two or three of them could contact, contract, excuse me, this virus. And then you have the president clearly saying that he's not going to discontinue his rallies. And then you ask yourself with everything that we have learned about how this is transmitted why would anyone asking us to trust his leadership insist on continuing to hold rallies and ask his supporters to do exactly what the health professionals are saying don't do this is how a virus spreads. Get a whole bunch of people, don't necessarily know each other, pack them in to some venue, and there you go. 
Man, that virus is off and running. So you tell me if Biden, Sanders, and no one will be the first one to do it because it'll look unmacho, right? But at some point, if you were to show leadership, it seems to me you would say, you know what? <laughs> I mean, I'm I can see any one of them saying, I'm safe, I'm up here. I have this much, I have six feet and more of distance between all you guys. You, if you've ever been to one of these things, are packed cheek to jowl together. So while I can end up being safe, this rally is not safe for you. I care about you. I want your vote. And I need you to be alive to deliver it in November. Um, my my email's not working really well, so your your emails are being forwarded to my. You keep sending them. I do see that some are showing up here. Um, Roger writes. Oh, he has a new theme song that he thinks we should use um, for my show. By Alanis Morissette called "Reasons I Drink." Whatever. Oh, is it funny? Did you see how? I, I did you see how? I think it was Tito's vodka had to come out with a press release because I, I know in California we went to the drugstore and to get you know uh, hand sanitizer and other stuff for the flight back, and um, there wasn't any. I mean, there was nothing. And uh, we looked online and saw that like a an eight ounce bottle of Purell was going for three hundred ninety nine dollars. <laughs> and then people started saying, "Well, you can make your own, no problem." So recipes started uh, popping up, uh, you know, uh, mostly alcohol, rubbing alcohol, uh, and mixed with a little bit of aloe or something that so the alcohol won't you know just eat through your skin um, but it was suggested by m one of my nieces that uh, she'd been told that you know vodka <laughs> you don't need rubbing alcohol vodka will do it and then no sooner had she uh, texted that than Tito's vodka had to put out a press release saying Tito's vodka is not a substitute for uh, hand sanitizer. So you would think they'd push it because more people then would maybe you can buy it, you can drink it if you're anxious. Speaking of anxiety, I want to say that I do, uh, we've all been so anxious in general <laughs> these days that this extra layer of it might be something that has put a lot of people over, you know, the edge. And I was thinking of um, one of my nieces is a, is a, is like a psychiatrist. And uh, she was talking about how, you know, you're treating people who are anxious to start with. They don't even want, I mean, at some point you might close offices. You don't want people coming in. Um, 
Can you do it over the phone? Well, you can if they have insurance that allows that, but much insurance does not allow it. It has to be face-to-face. So again, you see all of these things getting in the way of people getting perhaps the help they need more than ever and being unable to access it. If you're an anxious person uh, who has to ride the bus um, to get to your uh, therapist who specializes in anxiety, um, you're not... I don't know. I'm just feel I just feel for all these folks. Yes, Tony's telling me little Tony saying it's sad news. Well, you know, he was 90, so yeah, great actor, uh, Ingmar Bergman's great actor, Max von Sydow or Cedo if it's pronounced that way. Is uh, just a, a great actor. Mm, I, I'm thinking of him as the Bergman actor, um, but he he transisted. Is that right? Trans he transitioned. Now it has another meaning. Now he he got into American films um, as as well, but I'm thinking of those old wondrous black and white Ingmar Bergman films. I don't know. It seems to me that this thing is going to unmask the deficiencies of our health care system. Oh, gosh. Of our capitalist system. There was a uh, headline that I saw. And, of course, I don't have it. But it was about how in Italy, Italian government, it said, begs. <laughs> that was it. Italian government begs, B-E-G-S, begs citizen, citizens to please, you know, not travel. It had instituted a, um, an order, but it turns out it's pretty much voluntary because democracies are not necessarily well equipped to deal with this kind of thing where you tell people no. You can't move. Stay in place. An authoritarian government like China has a much better chance of containing an outbreak like this because they can flat out tell their people, you know, you step outside your house, we're going to shoot you. And they believe it, so nobody moves. Containment becomes easier. In a country in which individuals... uh, obviously value um, our freedom, it's well nigh impossible uh, for the government uh, to order us uh, to, to do things. We're disinclined to cooperate. Um, A few other things I have uh, here. Little Tony says, when the candidates felt they had to drop out of the race last week, I felt so bad for all of them, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not wild about how this shook out. 
I would have voted for any of them against Trump. They all work so hard. I think Biden is ahead. The reason is that people don't want to take any chances. Yeah, I think that's correct. They didn't want to take chances on a woman. They don't want to take chance on Sanders. Let's face it, Trump would rather run against Sanders than Biden. Yeah, I think. My mom wanted to see a woman make it to the presidency, and so did I. Unfortunately, she never got to see that. Well, you know, um, I think it's become pretty clear that the Democratic nominee is going to have to have a woman as his vice presidential uh, candidate. I have heard people suggest that Joe Biden, if he in fact gets the nomination, would get more votes if he said he will only he's not going to run for re-election at his age that I'm you're just doing me for four years but choose as his running mate a woman who then will be in a position as a vice president to be have the advantages of incumbency um, who that woman is I'm sure we can all start you know saying who we think would be the the best and the best fit I don't know I think the one with the most uh, logistical ability to get that would be Elizabeth Warren, uh, just because she has not made an endorsement yet, and because she brings uh, with her that more progressive point of view that can pull some of the uh, disappointed uh, Bernie supporters maybe over. Uh, to uh, Biden, um, but we all have to remember, no matter who, I don't care, it could still be Sanders, no matter who it is, that's who we're all getting out to vote for. It is so clear that that is what we must do. Um, two stories that are virus related. New York City, um, well, it's not, I don't think it's New York, it's maybe New Jersey? Where's the, oh no, it's, it's, it's New York, it's in Queens. Uh, the Aqueduct Racetrack. Um, uh, you know, there's a lot of cash floating around in that place and Saturday, um, three workers at the Aqueduct Racetrack were emptying, I guess, the, um, gaming machines that are there as as well as the racetrack going on outside with the real uh, animals they um they emptied them as they do regularly um and they were lugging all that cash to the safe they put it in upstairs when they were <laughs> when uh they were ambushed essentially by two gunmen who relieved them of the bags of cash which were said to contain up to $270,000 and the way these guys uh, more easily made their getaway is that they were wearing surgical masks. So there were other people at Aqueduct wearing surgical masks because some people now uh, venturing out in public think that that's a 
smart thing to do, even though we're told, I don't know. So they were able to disappear back into the crowd, apparently, relatively easily, <laughs> because they were using the cover of just being a concerned uh, citizen uh, wearing yet another uh, mask. Now, the, the latest wrinkle on it is the, f the people at Aqueduct think it might have been an inside job since um, several employees had, it's according to the New York Times, several employees had called out sick that night. So they're thinking that the very people who called, do you say called out sick? When I, that, when I came to Pittsburgh, I was struck by people said called off sick. What do you say? I called off sick. This is I called out sick. And where I had come from, we called in sick. <laughs> so I, they all, you could argue all of them. I. I was used to saying called in sick, and then to come here and find it was the exact opposite, called out sick, and yet meant the same thing. Called in, called out, I get that. Called off is like called out. That's, yeah, that's saying not, not coming. Um, but anyway, are there others? Called in, called off, called out? That might do it. But we get the idea. Another coronavirus uh, story is that uh, they've halted naturalization ceremonies in Denmark because a anti-immigrant uh, law passed by the right-wing uh, government there uh, last year uh, said that no one could become a Danish national um, without at the end of the ceremony, they had to shake hands with the presiding officer. And that law was, that had never been the case. You didn't have to shake hands to be a Danish citizen. Why would such a law be passed? Well, the thinking was that there are Muslim women or even Muslim men who would not comfortably shake the hand of um, somebody who was the other gender. And so this was, I mean, right-wingers leave no stone unturned. And so now that that's the law and handshaking is not a good idea, they've called off all naturalization ceremonies, which seems a little absurd. Just saying... Those of you who who like absurdities are 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 living in the exact right time. Hey, I want to thank Terry for sending me this. Uh, I put it up on my computer screen. It says anyone or anything but Trump in 2020. Oh dear God. Um. You know, I got an explanation of benefits from my uh, 
secondary insurer uh, while I was gone. And I looked at it and I thought, here too, in a nutshell, is evidence of uh, how messed up our health care sector is. This, of course, from the ins insurance end of it. For one thing, I have to tell you, there are people whose insurance does not cover the test. Let's say they feel they might have contracted coronavirus. Their insurance doesn't cover the test, and so they don't get tested. There again, you see how things spread. I believe it was also California where the governor said he ordered that all insurance companies pay for the test, whether the policies initially said they would pay for such a test or not. This is where government, again, that is capable of doing these things, of stepping in and ordering capitalists <laughs> to do the necessary thing. Um, but don't ever expect the insurance industry to uh, voluntarily do the right thing in these situations. This is the industry who sends me explanation of benefits like this. The total amount your provider billed for services in the last month, this is me, $9,205. Little old me, $9,205. Now I have told you, I think, that I require an injection once a month that is billed out at over $8,000 an injection. Um, it's one of the things I do to um, help with my my messed up lungs, which is another reason I'm very high profile for dying of this particular virus. So, nine, most of that, I don't even know what the other part of that is. I might have had a test, I don't know what. $9,205 every month for me. Then it says because I'm old and I have Medicare, total amount Medicare paid, $200. I'm rounding it. Okay, we have 9000 here. My insurer, Medicare, said, oh, I see 9000 fine, I'll pay you 200 Then my supplemental insurance kicked in more than twice that. $435, which comes to a grand total of something like $640 out of 9025 billed. The next one is the scary one. Total amount you may owe. Zero. Even though there's over $8,500 unpaid. What kind of system? And I know I, people will say, well, you see, they bill that for... It, it, this is insanity. This is the, 
This is evidence right there, a little snapshot of the absurdity, the insanity, the absolute <laughs> madness of how we access and pay for health care in this country. And stop and think also about the coronavirus. If you have a if you have a government insurance, if you have single payer, if you have that universal and you take these insurance companies and all these middlemen out of the picture, how much easier is it to respond and deal with a pandemic? Because everything is in one bucket. It's centralized. There's not one of us that has the same insurance, right? Even if we, you have Medicare, you don't have my Medicare, which also, my, you don't have my supplement. That's a system designed for inefficiency, and this kind of craziness. You are billed over $9,000 and somehow a payment of 500 or 600 wipes that bill out. However, if you didn't have insurance, you'd be expected to pay the 9000 And of course, the reason you wouldn't have insurance is you don't have two pennies to put together. Like you have $9,000 a month for an injection? The stupidity is unbelievable. Huh. Barbara says, working in various offices in Pittsburgh since 68, I've only heard called in sick, never called out. How about called off? That's what I heard. Off. They called off sick. I called off sick. I thought, wow, because I called in sick. <laughs> on, on and off, in and out. Okay, in and out, on and off. Called on sick, called off sick. On sick wouldn't work. But go figure. I don't know. So maybe it was just the Channel 4 newsroom. But that's where I worked, and that's where I heard that. Um, you know, it was so gorgeous yesterday and today. I'm looking at blue sky. It's, you know, what is it? It's going to be over 60 today? And while we sometimes appreciate not sometimes, mostly appreciate that. I see buds on, you know, my trees. I see, uh, you, I have daffodils that are about to pop. Um, I just want to say, I sort of get queasy. I appreciate the warmth, but my real reaction is one of real concern. Because this is evidence, obviously, of maybe 
the biggest problem facing us that we're doing next to nothing about, and that is climate change, the crisis, the climate emergency, I should say. And um, the while you're maybe happy because you could like sunbathe yesterday, the reality is is that flora and fauna that are still working on what was the norm are going to die. Birds flying north when they have always flown back north are going to find that the insects that they fed off or the flowers and pollen they fed off have come and gone. So they'll start. Used to be those things synced up and they don't anymore. So I look at this kind of thing and I think, oh God, it's disquieting. I saw a piece this weekend that was headlined, I Miss the Snow. And this is true. This is written by somebody in upstate New York who has memories of winter being snowy and beautiful. and, And now they say it's just rain. And it's now, instead of this beautiful snow, it's mud. And I thought, yep, I know what you're talking about. It's what we've got, too. I miss the snow. But a lot of flora and fauna are dying. That's the truth. We have a caller. Hello? Hello. Hi. I'm okay. Um, you know, I remember when my grandfather passed away in the 70s, 77 or 70, I forget what year it was, but it was December after Christmas, and it was like, oh my God, 80 degrees or something. It was a beautiful, almost like a summer day, so that bullshit of not having warm days in the winter is crap. Now, I believe in global climate change and all that, but look at the animals that are surviving in Chernobyl, where they where that accident happened. There's wildlife living in Chernobyl. So animals in that, they seem to, I don't know what word to use, they have a lot of resistance for this stuff. So I'm not saying you're not right. I'm just saying I don't think, just like this winter, they said it was supposed to be the snowiest winter. It wasn't. I think it was supposed to be the coldest temperatures. It wasn't. So experts aren't always experts, and not that I don't believe in climate change, because I see the icebergs, you know, melting and all that. I do believe, but I think some of it's a little bit exaggerated to the point now someday the planet probably is warming up on its own. But we're we're contributing to it. But your belief, all this hysteria about everything, about the flu thing and all that, how many people die of the flu every year? What, 36,000 or something? 250,000 people get it. It's it just this all this media that's bringing us on and stroke, stoking people, getting them going on this. I just, 
I'm sorry. You know, you could, I don't know. It just gets to be too much to me. Okay, fine. I so totally don't agree but, with um, anything you've said. Okay, okay. I appreciate it. You, you mean you totally don't agree, agree with? You're, you're, I, I know the plan. No, well, I mean the numbers are the clear. Are We're going to yeah. have problems. The weather is changing. I'm not saying that, but some of the stuff is so ridiculous. Okay, okay. This is not. After a while. Yeah, this is not the. Uh, the pe- people like you who are saying, you know, we get the flu, people die, tens of thousands of people die every year. Right. This is not the same thing. First of all, we know that the death. I understand that, Lynn, but it's the same thing as SARS. SARS was supposed to do. I mean, we, we don't may, know we may that. have all these people die. It, this might be the one, but it's always this way with the media. Always. We'll see. We'll see how it ends. That's all I can say on that. And then you said. You take rate thousand with it. Yours is cheap. My wife works especially, and some people pay thirty thousand a month, and I, they get help or some. But I agree with you. Those drugs, the way they do our medical, is so ridiculous. How do you come up with thirty thousand? How do you come up with eight thousand? You nine? tell me. Whatever it is, it, it's totally ridiculous. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, we'll agree on that. Thanks you. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. Okay. I knew I knew you were going to disagree on the global thing. I'm not saying it's no climate change. I agree with it. It's, the weather is changing. But the planet's warming up. They're heating up on its own, too. It, it goes in cycles. If you read some of the old stuff, how things went, I mean, not to say we're doomed. We probably are. We'll see you. Okay. I said enough. Okay, yeah. Okay, Bye. goodbye. Bye. <laughs> um... I just want to point one thing out, and I said earlier, we don't know so much about this. It's new. Coronavirus is not new. There have been many coronaviruses. It is this particular strain, and apparently there's more than one. I believe the Chinese have said they've identified two. Um, At this point, I think it was the... uh, World Health Organization that was suggesting that this is a lot more um, dangerous. It's going to kill more people, and they were saying as much as what. But that those numbers are definitely uh, inflated because what all we know at this point is the people who are very ill and who are dead. We don't know all the people who are... So the numbers, the percentage of fatalities is really unclear. A normal flu season, which we go through every year, the death um, rate is 0.1% of people who contract the annual flu the odds are overwhelming it will not kill you it only kills 0.1% um in this country and that is you know generally speaking obviously there's some the lowest the lowest guesses that i'm seeing for this virus is 1% fatality rate. Now that sounds, you know, one in a hundred, one in a hundred, I'll take that. (laughs) I'll take them odds. Right. 
One out of a hundred will die. But that is ten times the flu fatality rate that we are used to. Ten times. And it could be that's not right. Make it, maybe it's 20 times. Maybe it's 15 times. If this is clearly not the same thing. And because we have no vaccine, we have no cure, we're not quite clear exactly what one should do to beat it back. All we got is our own individual immune systems at this point. And for most people, that's going to be enough, obviously for most people. But when we're talking globally, you're then talking about millions of people dying. And where some flus, young people are vulnerable, this one appears not to be that at all, so that's good news. It's, but it's killing older people, and that, that's for sure. And if you're going to kill one or the other, I guess older people is a better, better uh, demographic to, to go for. But if you're in the demographic, believe me, it's less than comforting. Um, you know, if you're my mom, who still has to get on an airplane to fly back, uh, from California, it's it's daunting because if I saw somewhere they think the people over 90 who contract this, uh, you know, it's I don't want to say a number, but it's a hell of a lot more than one in a hundred are going to die. It might be over 50. Uh, I don't know. So the older you are, the more daunting it is. Um, and I also want to point out that in terms of global the warming and the no snow and the rain and this, um, every year, I believe, for the last, what, four or five years has been the warmest ever recorded. So, of course, every once in a while there's some crazy 80-degree uh, day in January. Um, I've noted them, too, over the course of my life. But they're not winter after winter of this kind of elevation and, um, and resulting, uh, resulting upending of what we had thought of as sort of natural, normal, uh, seasonal reality. Uh, you cannot argue otherwise unless you think like Trump that, you know, you know more than the experts do. Oh, what a, what a, what a, huh? Amazing. So the question should be, I don't know. Um, I was, when I flew out to California, there were, uh, people on the plane who uh, were going to this big, huge tennis tournament out there where I was. It's in Indian Wells. That was canceled, I believe, yesterday. Professional tennis players are going berserk. It is uh, It's a big one, apparently. Rafael Nadal was heard to say, What? They've canceled? They're all already there, and they've decided can't hold it. That's an outdoor event.
But I'm telling you, the mindset in California is a lot different than it is here. And I would think the mindset we're seeing there will be coming here. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. I think whatever the, what's the hockey team that's out there? Um, There are a few. They were asked by the city to, to call off uh, their a game, and they refused. The NHL said no. See, now here's where. Should the National Hockey League be able to supersede um, a government in saying, no, we're holding the game? When the government says, you are endangering every single person who files into this arena. Who has the say? It's going to be interesting to watch this thing unfold because it's going to get us to ask a lot of questions. A lot of questions. So, batten down the hatches, cook up some uh, Purell of your own, and, uh, and get ready. We're in for a for an interesting few months, to say the least. What a year, 2020. We knew it was going to be something. But, yow. Okay, I think that's it. Um, I'll be back tomorrow, barring unforeseen circumstances, and um, and hope you will, too. Thank you. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.